What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm stoked to introduce you today's guest, Dylan Fish, solid dude, husband, family man, leader, great outlook on life. And two things that really stuck out in our conversation is leading with love, like to have love for your family, a conviction of love, a belief in love for your family, and embracing your role as a father, knowing who you are so that you can show up and lead and make decisions for your family. Enjoy meeting my new friend, Dylan Fish. All right, here we go. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Super stoked to meet a new friend and talk fatherhood and life with Dylan Fish. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for, for joining us. Um, I had uh, Roy Tuscany on here, and when asked who's a great father that you would recommend to be on the show, he's like, Dylan Fish, you got to have him on. So why do you think that he would have said that you were a great father? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is because we both have uh, boys about the same age. uh, And our boys have gotten to hang quite a bit. Um, Not as much as I wish. We're not in the Tahoe area as often as we'd like to be these days. But uh, yeah, our, our boys have been able to hang a little bit. And I think we're going through some of the same challenges as fathers. And uh, obviously going through a, a ton of just amazing experiences also. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun to compare notes with other dads and figure out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and especially like you said, if you're in similar stages, you know, especially with little ones, you can feel alone. So to know there's some other dude with the same struggle as you uh, can be freeing. And even if it's just like a text or a check-in or even just you know, seeing each other for a moment, you know, okay, I know where you're at, bro. I know what's going on. So, so that's cool. You guys are at similar stages. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask a couple of questions just so people know who I'm talking to right now. And, uh, and then we'll just get into some fatherhood stuff and see where the journey takes us. Wow. So how do you, f- how old do you find yourself today? Um, I'm turning 40 next month. Okay. Right there on the brink. <laughs> How's that feel? Oh, it's great. I, uh, I mean, 40s are definitely going to be the best years of my life. I know that mostly because I've got two boys and watching them grow up is better than anything else I've ever done in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I know. I don't know where these, these like concepts of like, Oh crap, I'm 30 or, Oh, and I'm 40 or, Oh no, I'm 50. I mean, if you're going after life and enjoying it and making the most of it, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm hyped on my age. I'm hyped on, on what I've done in life. So I think, I wonder if people just with regret, struggle with that because maybe they're not living life to the fullest. I would say so. Yeah. My yeah. only complaint is the body doesn't want to keep up, right? <laughs> it's not your mind is like, okay, I know I can do this or have been able to, but now it's just a the recovery's a little different. 
Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. How many years you've been married? Uh, been married for five years now. Okay. Yeah. And then how many kiddos? Um, we just had our second six weeks ago. Uh, Dang. First, yeah, we're uh, we're right in the thick of it right now. Yeah. Uh, Sonny, our first, was uh, born in July two years ago. So he's uh, at a really fun age right now. And Brody, our second, was just born uh, on August uh, 20th. Love it. My son's name is Brody. Um, no way. He's 12. Yeah, 12. My one boy, and he has a twin sister. Um, oh, you did yeah. twins. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun. So Brody, six weeks old. Well, if you'd like to just pause um, and just take a nap, we could just tell your wife you did a podcast for an hour and you could just chill out if you if you want. That six-week mark, dude, is uh, it's no joke. <laughs> you know what? Fortunately, I, I married a, a superhuman, and my wife uh, definitely does a great job with both of our boys, but certainly with the newborn. Uh, yeah, she's, she's holding down the fort uh, on the nighttime front, although we've been having some sleeping challenges with the, the two-year-old also. Uh, which I've kind of had to step in and help with. Uh, the timing of this uh, podcast is interesting, only because uh, I've learned a lot of new things in the last uh, week and a half. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you went from no, like knowing everything as a dad, right? Like, I've got a two-year-old, I've got this figured out, to now my two-year-old's life just turned upside down because there's a new human being. And yep. so you're navigating a wife who just had a baby, a new baby, and then a son who's like, what's going on here? 100%. This is good and also different. You've done this before, not only twice, but five times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so married five years, two kids, and then where do you live? Um, so we don't know where we live. We're kind of nomads. We're, we're based on Maui right now. Um, okay. There's a, a, a part of our life that is in the kind of Reno-Tahoe area. Um, my wife is a... a a retired Olympic ski racer, if you don't know uh, who she is. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and I say retired Olympic ski racer because she's still a skier. Uh, right. We've been in Hawaii a lot lately. Uh, she lived on Maui when we met, um, and I grew up on Maui, but had left probably 20 years before I met her uh, to go do other things and sort of never came back. It was an interesting story, and she was living uh, right down the street from one of the homes I grew up in. Uh, on Maui. I moved here a lot as a child, uh, different houses, different kind of parts of the island. But uh, yeah, she was living in my old stomping grounds and uh, came to visit her. And now we're married and have two kids. And uh, funny enough, when I was growing up on Maui, uh, I actually articulated this in high school that when I was graduating, Maui was a really cool place to grow up, but I needed to get out of here for a while. Mm. I needed to go do other things, but that I could see myself coming back here and raising a family in my 30s. All I right. And flash forward in my mid-30s, uh, met my now wife, and here we are raising kids on Maui. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're using Maui as a home base right now. My work is in Fiji, so we would generally spend a portion of our year there, about half of the year. And then because of my wife's skiing uh, career, we would travel in the mountains a lot when we're not in Fiji. So Maui's always been kind of a place for us to call a home base. But because of our crazy schedules and work, we haven't actually spent a lot of time here until the world kind of came to a screeching halt uh, last year. And we've just been here for most of the last uh, you know, year and a half anyway. Um, so, yeah, Maui's, Maui's home. 
<laughs> Love it. So I'm just going to kind of deviate for a minute and ask a question because it's an interesting state, right? I just moved to Hawaii, uh, to the big Island with my family, but I moved with, you know, kids who were used to going to school with friends and, and as much as I would love to, you know, jump in an RV and travel the U.S. for two years or five years or live in Airbnbs in different parts of the world, you know, every month. Uh, there's this foundational piece that seemed to be important to kids, right? Of like, this is where I'm from. This is where I grew up. And, and right, we're four months into a move where I've got an eight to 15 year old and they do have some struggles with the moves we made. So as you think about you and your your wife, you know, both coming from from traveling lifestyles, to I'm sure the conversation came up. We're going to have kids. We're going to have a home base. And then what does traveling look like or our lifestyle look like when they are that five, six, seven, eight, start to want to build that foundation with friends? Now, I will say this question might not be as valid because the state of the world we live in is just drastically changing. So like what school looked like 10 years ago may not be the same. But just real quick, if you have any thoughts around bringing your boys into life, tra- would, would they homeschool and travel or do you see something else? You know, it's a real good question. And I, I think that um, it's something that we do have a little bit of time with. Um, I should be asking you questions and advice on this front, uh, you know, given everything you're dealing with right now. But um, I, I think something a little bit unorthodox in terms of homeschool or, you know, a charter school or something like that is probably the some freedoms will end up going in and especially with some of the requirements that, you know, uh, kids are having to, uh, comply with, uh, in this day and age that I don't necessarily, uh, well, I'm not going to say I don't necessarily agree with. I strongly disagree with, um, you know, we are going to have to look at alternative options for schooling, yeah. whether it's for travel or because I refuse to put my kid in a mask. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure we'll get into that. All right. So my next question for you is, you know, you made some comments. Your your wife is a retired Olympian. Uh, you do work in Fiji. So why don't you, if you can, just expand upon a little bit, like what do you do for a living? So uh, I have a fun job. I run, uh, well, it runs me. I run it. Uh, I'm the general manager at Tavara Island Resort in Fiji. i um, been doing it for a really long time uh, since I was a kid, to be honest. Uh, been there as long as I can remember. I'm in the 20 something years doing it. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my day job. Uh, I work for my wife the other half of the day. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <but> not really. <laughs> yeah. And I would just say like, go Google that and go check out the Island and, and the spot. It's incredible. Uh, so, so tell us, what do you do? Like, what is the Island about? And, and what do you do as a general manager for that? You know, like, what is it? So we're a, a 29 acre uh, resort in Fiji. It's a little heart shaped island. Uh, my wife and I met there. Uh, that's a fun story. It's incredible. Day. Uh, yeah. And we love to surf and fish and the Fijian people are the nicest people in the world. Um, you know, you sit down and hang out with one of the locals for 10 minutes and your, your trip there is fulfilled. Um, mm. But yeah, we have a, a, a couple of the best waves in the world if you like to surf and um, some really fun sort of sustainable projects that we're working on with the marine life. And uh, yeah, it's a, a magical part of the world, something that's been a big part of my life uh, for as long as I can remember and highly recommend checking it out. 
<laughs> yeah, incredible. So people will come and you say it's it's about six months of the year. People come and it's a resort and they'll come surf, fish and enjoy yeah. uh, being on the 29 acre resort, basically. Yeah, we're, we're open year round. I, I split responsibilities with uh, another guy that actually is from the big island of all places. Uh, his name's Kaeo Deshop. He is also a father of two. You should have him on the podcast if I get to uh, recommend Dude. someone. Uh, He's been called out. Yeah, 100%. So he and I split time uh, in, in Fiji on property. We work for the resort year round, but we're hands on uh, on property for four months at a time. Uh, every other four months works out to six months of the year. Um, but yeah, it's a, a great part of the world. Uh, we both enjoy uh, working there and, and uh, raising our families uh, with Fiji in their life is something that's really important to us. Uh, yeah. Just you know, the cultural aspects of living somewhere different, uh, we think is really important. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Incredible. Fun, fun, fun. All right. So back into fatherhood stuff. When you think about the role of the father, you know, you, you, you had a dad yourself and then now you're a dad. Uh, what do you think the role or how do you view the role of the father? Um, I am very sure that my role as a father, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but it's to be a very confident and uh able leader for my family Mm. i i feel that you know especially as your kids start growing up and and getting into the toddler phages is what i'm dealing with right now um just the the confidence and the ability to lead your family and to teach your child how to handle everything that they're dealing with emotionally physically um there's just there's so much for them to learn and to process. And we all did it as kids, but we don't necessarily remember what that was like. And we don't even necessarily remember what our parents were like. And I was, you know, super uh, blessed and fortunate to have incredible parents. Um, and I'm thankful to them for everything that they have done for me, but now realize that it's my responsibility to be that rock and to be that leader and to mm. you know, show my my kids how to behave in terms of you know boundaries and security and safety and there's so many things that you don't really even understand about how a child's mind is developing and uh, my wife's been really good about you know research and studying and taking courses and reading books and all of these things which you know um, she's shared some with me and some I've had to find on my own. Um, but yeah, when your kids are, are dealing with the things that they do deal with as they grow up, uh, you have to understand what they're dealing with and you have to be there to provide, you know, the security and the safety that they need emotionally and physically, because that's how they learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a ton of good stuff in there. So <clears throat> why is it important to you? I hear confidence and you're clearly a confident dude. Um, but teaching your boys, especially, right. You got two boys confidence and, and to be an able leader. Yeah. Um, why is that important for you to raise them up in our world to be those two things? So I'm not even sure that I've gotten there yet in terms of raising them to be anything, but as a father, to answer the first question, maybe more specifically, in order for me to give my boys the chance to grow and to learn and to become who they want to be and who, of course, I want them to be, right. I have to be a confident leader for them because they require that. They need that structure in order for them to grow and to become emotionally 
responsible emotionally. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm I'm learning it right now. I'm dealing with some sort of you know they call it terrible twos. I've heard it. It can also be referred to as terrific twos. Um, and I really believe that if you make it the terrific twos, it can be. But my my son, my two year old Sonny is definitely going through some things right now. And uh, anecdotal story, um, we were talking about uh, how when we get older and, and, you know, our life should just get better and better. But when you have uh, certain limitations with regard to your body and how hard you've pushed it and injuries that you've had, um, I have some recurring back issues and Hmm. um, I work hard at managing them. And I've, I've really actually done well with it. But just uh, last week or week and a half ago now, I had a new experience where my back went completely out. My sacrum actually went mm. out of place. Um, and part of it was roughhousing with my two-year-old and letting him, while I was on my back in a compromised position with him on my legs and doing all kinds of weird airplane stuff, yeah. um, after getting rolfed for two hours to try and fix another issue, Um my sacrum went out and I literally couldn't walk for a week. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. Mm. And, uh, my, my two-year-old, he, he really struggled with it. And and my wife has our newborn, um, and the two-year-old and, you know, we're not divide and conquer parents, but I've definitely, uh, as, uh, our, our newborn was, uh, sort of getting a little bit older and, and we brought him into this world. Uh, I've really focused on our two-year-old Sonny. I've really right. just made him my priority to make sure that he doesn't, you know, feel any effects of, uh, you know, mommy not having time for him. And when my back went out and I wasn't able to participate in our household, um, I really watched some crazy things happen. And I actually took a course during the time while I was out on how to deal with the things that we're dealing with. And it's going to actually turn out to be a very empowering time. Um, mm. And I learned a lot and was able to, as I, you know, felt dealt, dealt with my issue and, and I'm back on my feet again, I was able to step back into that role. But I, I really learned during that time that our kids need, you know, a, a confident leader. And in the mm-hmm. absence of that, they, you know, have their tantrums and these things that, you know, they're, they're struggling to, to process. And so, you know, just structure and, you know, confidence and, and, uh, a mother or father, or, you know, even if somebody's helping you with your child, whoever it is that's interacting with your two-year-old at this point needs to to provide a certain element of confidence and structure for them to process. Yeah, man, some really significant things. I mean, one, the thought of us just taking care of our bodies, right? We don't think, man, I'm going to be out for a week. And, and it's not even taking care of our bodies fully, but, but being aware of like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm in a place where I can show up, right? But then when you found yourself in a place where you couldn't, I mean, what a killer opportunity that you went to work on learning some things. Like I took a course, it was just a statement you made. But unfortunately, we don't hear a lot of fathers say, oh, well, I took a course on this. We kind of throw it out to the mom to figure things out. Kind of in a, like that's kind of a stereotypical man culture thing, which is why I'm doing Rebel and Create. Because I want to collect the stories of, of men like yourself who are engaged in this, like, hey, I want to work on this. I want to show up as a, an incredible father. So I need to go learn some things. So just a couple of highlights from that um, that you said. And then I really love how you said, um, you know, I need to be a confident leader, uh, an able leader and several other things so that I can pass that on to my sons and give them a chance to be that as well. And you're realizing, you know, you have a two-year-old and a six-month or six-week-old. 
And, and sometimes we go, oh, well, when my kid can go out and surf with me or when my kid can do this, but you're already looking at how critical your role is now, um, having relatively young kids. And I think a lot of us men miss it, right? We don't realize how important our role is until it may be too late. Mm. And so where do you find that you have that conviction that your role as a father is really critical for your kids, for your boys? Where does that conviction come from? I mean, love. Hmm. I, yeah, good answer. That's beautiful. There, there's it's a one it's a one word answer. I mean, there's nothing that I love more on this planet than my boys. And you know, obviously, I've I've had Sunny for for over two years now, and we have been able to bond and connect in ways that me and Brody, who's now six weeks old, uh, haven't. Uh, although yeah. he's smiled at me every single time he's seen me the last two days. It's crazy. Wow. He's like getting to that point where the lights are on and we've had these crazy connections over the last couple of days. Cause let's just face it. The newborns, they need uh, two things and mom has them both <laughs> and milk comes out of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he looks like he's showing you a little respect, at least with the smiles. No, he's, he's been loving me, but uh, yeah, just that, that love I have for, for my boys and Sonny right now in particular and knowing what he's going through or, or having some understanding of what he's going through with this new little baby brother that's been brought into this world. And, you know, I know we have limited time on this podcast, but uh, yeah, I mean, welcoming Brody, we did a home birth with Brody and oh, that's so, so I cool. Could, I, I could talk for an hour about uh, magic. We'll just share for a minute. I mean, maybe cause that would, for me, that would be like, um, like the, the, the regret. Like I wish we would have done that once. And my wife too, are like, we wish we would have done that, but you know, what led you to that? And, and maybe, and maybe a piece that, that is led to it being a magical experience for you. Yeah, Ooh, this is a, a tough one to, to be short-winded on. I, I can be long-winded anyway. But the reason why I brought it up is because the way it all happened and just the way nature works, it's it's magic. And, you know, it's to incredible. have a baby the way we do and, and everything that happens, uh, but to do it at home and to have it happen overnight while mm. Sunny was sleeping. And, you know, it's obviously an intense and incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. Not something necessarily my wife would have been totally fine if Sonny was a part of it. But, you know, as, as a father, I wanted to protect him from that sort of. I don't know that, you know, that I was even ready to experience it, much less him. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we ended up, you know, having the baby in the wee hours of the morning before Sonny woke up and the way that, you know, timing and fate and everything, the universe wow. would have it. Uh, Julia was all tucked in and, and situated with the baby and everything was just magical when Sonny woke up and I have video of it. Um, actually, how incredible, um, how incredible. Of, of walking him out. And I mean, it gives me chicken skin. I was yeah. like in tears when I, he woke up and I was able to tell him that your baby brother's here. Like, I'm almost <laughs> going to tear up right now. Yes. And then walking him out and watching their interactions for the first time just magical. Um, but we decided to have a home birth for a, a bunch of different reasons. Uh, one is we weren't sure if I was even going to be allowed in a hospital yeah, um, right, right now. And two is, you know, everything just with the masks and, and, you know, certain things that they, uh, want to strongly encourage, if not force you to do in a yeah. hospital, um, with a newborn, uh, that we don't necessarily agree with. And, yeah. Um, even the experience of being in the hospital, you know, postpartum for with Sonny, we were there for two days. Um, 
and had to get out of there. It's just, you know, the, the medical thing is just not for us necessarily. And we appreciate mm-hmm. having it if you need it. And with Sunny, we did. Um, although we didn't probably a uh, whole nother story, but my wife was induced when she, you know, probably didn't need to be. And it was, you know, one drug after another. And it was as far from natural and what her body was meant to do as you could possibly get, which ultimately led to a C-section, but she was glowing and active and stand up paddleboarding head high waves the week before, you know, she was told that she needed to be induced glowing and, and the healthiest pregnancy ever. And, mm-hmm. um, but that's a, maybe a subject for another day also. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. how pure, like, I just see you walking your, your son out in your own home and it's like yesterday you went to bed and this was our life. And then in our own home, you're coming into this and it just feels so pure and innocent and like how it's meant to be. So beautiful. I love, I love it. I love the story. And it's something that, uh, if we were to have another kid, that's definitely how we'd want it to go down. So my next question for you is as you've been a father, the last couple years, what have you learned about yourself? So, you know, you go through life and it's kind of you against you, you against whatever, you know, in the world. And then you get married and there's this new friction where I'm confronted with with who I am, the things I like, the things I don't. And then you have kids now. So as you've become a father, what have you learned about yourself? Just... I don't know if this is about myself, but I've definitely learned that there's nothing that matters like nothing about myself matters. I don't, I, I, you know, uh, trust me, I, I need to take care of myself. I need to take time for myself as a father to be a good father. I need to, you know, I need to make sure my cup is also full, but nothing in life matters. Nothing is significant on any level, you know, in business or, you know, uh, trivial details that, you know, as a younger man, I certainly would fixate on things. And I I would stress a lot about, you know, things that in the big picture, nothing matters anymore. And so I just, for myself, I've learned that, you know, there, there is more to life than the minutia and the things that we choose to make ourselves busy with. And I've learned that I have certain uh, you know, uh, unhealthy addictions in terms of, of use of time and things like that, that I need to really work on. I think we all do, um, in the day and age that we live in and, you know, with technology that's available to us, both from a, you know, a work and a recreational standpoint, you know, we spend too much time on our phones, too much time on our computers and not enough time present and, you know, not only with our children, but also taking care of ourselves. And if you have, you know, body issues in terms of injuries and things like that, you just Mm -hmm. learned that I need to be more efficient with my time and I need to focus on the things that are the most important, which is my family and and our health. Yeah. So how do you make that decision? What's most important to you? Because it seems as though a lot of people just let life happen. And so you could have your kids and then before you know it, you're like still grinding at work or whatever it is that you think is important. Um, so, so how do you decide what is a priority and what is not? I just ask my wife. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's not easy. You know, I, it, there's a lot of soul searching. Um, I was never on social media until I met my wife and she actually created an Instagram account for me. I swore I've never touched that. 
and she created an Instagram account for me um, under the guise of putting Spotify playlists on my phone. Um, this was before we were even married and uh, started, you know, posting a bunch of embarrassing stuff from the trip we were on uh, with tagging friends and things like that. Yeah. And it was the beginning of the end for me. I started using it um, and I still use it, but I try and use it more as a journal. I never took a journal or kept a journal my whole life. And I, mm. I really regret that. It's one of the few regrets I have in life is that I, I've lost a lot of memories. And I, I do believe that I've, I've, you know, become addicted to it like everyone else because it is a, uh, it's a journal for me. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we have to be very careful how much time we spend, uh, using certain technologies that we have grown accustomed to using. And when you have kids, it's, uh, definitely time to reevaluate those priorities. Yeah. So you've said you, you, you made this beautiful comment a moment ago about, uh, love. That was your answer, love. And then you said that, that I've learned that nothing else matters. Um, why is there such this deep love for your kids? Now, I think innately, let's just innately, I think you and I are designed to be fathers and show up and like, we have this desire to love. But if you look at our world from a, from a big picture, it, it seems like a lot of men maybe don't tap into that piece. So, you know, do you think you can answer this however you want? Like, why did you tap into it? How'd you tap into it? Why does it matter? And then maybe a little piece of like, do you think you still would have had that same, like nothing else matters. I'm so in love with my kids. If you were 25 would the 25 year old Dylan have felt that way, or is there something different because you've experienced life that now at 30, you know, 37, 38, 39, there's been this piece. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a little bit cliche at this point because, uh, I think that having kids when you're young is not as, as normal for a, a lot of different reasons, but mm -hmm. definitely for, for me and my wife, I think that we both were able to do a lot of amazing things before having kids. And, um, my wife, she's a, she's kind of a frother to be honest. And I think that she uh, battles it a little bit, especially now that she's, uh, just had her second kid and is ready to kind of get back in the mix. And, uh, she's super active and, and back into sports and doing everything really, really fast. I mean, four weeks later, she was already back in the water foiling and winging and stuff. Um, but I, I think that we both have, have done enough and, and experienced mm -hmm. enough that we're able to you know, really just enjoy being parents and then make that our priority. And no, younger me, I, you know, there's a swell and I'm, you know, not in the mix and can't be out there for seven hours and, you know, everything that we used to do when we were younger, I, my cup's full and I ah. still do enjoy, you know, recreating. And, and I think it's really important to be outside and be physical and get exercise. And my last name's fish. So I, I like to say uh, that I, <laughs> my gills wet. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm out there doing it for different reasons now. And um, uh, it, there's nothing more important than getting back. Like yesterday is a perfect example. My wife and I snuck out while my son, uh, well, I guess both of our kids were sleeping. Um, and we had somebody here helping us. And Sonny's the one who I like worry about the most because of, you know, the period in his life. He's that emotional yeah. thing that he's dealing with, um, with the new baby and stuff. And he was down for his nap and my wife and I snuck out for a quick foil and I had never felt so nervous in my life. I mean, even, <laughs> even before we made it out, I was a nervous wreck, like 
telling my wife to hurry up. She's trying to talk to me about some business thing or something. And I'm just like, pump up your kite. Like we got to get out there. Like we got to get out and we got to get back. And I was testing the <laughs> too, which is a separate subject. I was probably part of the nerves, but I was out there having a great time riding a new foil. And just like, all I could think about was making sure that I got back so that I was here when my son woke up because I didn't want him to cry because of whatever it is that he's dealing with right now. Not that like we're raising kids that need us to be around 24 seven, but, but yeah, I, I know totally what he's dealing with you. right now. Yes. I know what it's been like this last couple of weeks and, and the situation we're in, there is no amount of waves or wind or fun that I could, you know, care about more than making sure that I was there when he woke up. Yes. Dude, what an incredible role as a father, right? To go into tap into the role of father, you know, I think sometimes dudes are like, oh, well, my kids are all little. What's my role? But you've taken such a role to, I have an opportunity to, to be alongside my son as he processes this, even if it's just to be there, right? It's not to solve the problem. It's just to be there in that heart and that bond that you guys will build from that is, is incredible, right? Because I mean, that's going to, 30 years from now, the relationship you have is going to be because of those. I was there when he woke up, you know, I knew he was going through something and I'm like, what more do you and I want? Right. I, I want my son to have a loving, flourishing life and, and me still be a part of it, you know, and know that I played a role in it. So dude, I love it. I, I love it. Um, okay. This podcast is fatherhood field notes and you're already doing it. Open up your field notes, sharing your life with us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And this could be applied to, to anything to, I am, you know, as a man, I am a warrior. I am a fighter. What am I rebelling against? And then, and that could change for different seasons, but then we don't just rebel to tear something down, but what am I hoping to create out of that? So when you think about those words, when you hear those words, what does it mean to you now? What are you rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Well, this could go in any number of directions on, on a micro level, but on a macro level, um, you know, we're, and I say we, my wife and I are, we're really concerned about the direction that the world is going right now. And, you know, not to, you know, get into details or anything, but there's, uh, there's a a freedom and and a choice that I believe is, is fundamental to who we are as, as individuals and as humans. And, you know, as a man, you know, my husband, my wife, uh, you know, we have certain things that are important to us. Again, I'm going to touch on what I just said a moment ago. Anything for me is insignificant right now. Nothing for me Mm -hmm. matters. It's all about my kids and it's all about, you know, their health and well-being, physically, emotionally, spiritually, on every level um, as they grow up. And I'm very concerned about the world that we are raising our kids in right now. And I actually have friends who are questioning whether they should even have kids or not right now. And because of the state. Yeah. Because of, and and again, I don't want to like touch on stuff that, you know, or say things that, you know, could be considered political or politically incorrect to some. Um, And this isn't about politics. This is about, you know, basic fundamental rights to make decisions for ourselves and more importantly, our families and how we want to raise our our kids. And, you know, it's why we had a home birth because I wasn't going to let, you know, somebody do something to my kid in a hospital without my permission. Um, 
which with Sonny, they tried to do. And I literally had to follow him around and not threaten people, but I had to explain to people in the hospital system that they were not going to do what they wanted to do without physically going through me period. Like you're not doing that to my child. Here's my, you know, written birth plan, separate subject. But, uh, as we, you know, bring our kids into this world and as they, you you asked about school earlier, you know, I'm not sure that given some of the things that are being required of children, which I would consider child abuse, you cannot put a mask on a two-year-old or a five-year-old or, you know, to be honest, an adult, I, I, you know, I have my own feelings about, you know, fresh air and, and what's healthy for me and for my body. Um, and obviously there's other subjects that are, are being discussed right now. I know that, uh, the U S government just purchased enough vaccines for, uh, <laughs> two, two to five year olds, I believe it is, or two to 12 year olds, whatever the number is, um, to literally inject the entire population. And they're going to be trying to do it at schools and things like that without parents' consent. And, uh, yeah, uh, I am rebelling right now against, uh, I'm not rebelling against, I am for making choices for my own family. And I'm rebelling against anyone who tells me that I can't make choices for my own family because you're not going to tell me how to raise my kids, period. You're not going to tell me what I'm allowed to feed them. You're not going to tell me what I'm allowed to say to them, how I'm allowed to parent them. I'm going to make those decisions based on what I think is right for for my kids. Um, And when they're old enough to make their own decisions, they will be free to do so. Um, And the style of parenting that, you know, my wife and I have chosen to adopt, we definitely try and give our kids as many freedoms to make as many choices and to critically think independently. My kids too, and he is asked to make a lot of decisions on his own. But I, I'm going to make the important ones right now. Um, my government's not going to do it, and the school teacher or school board or anyone else. Um, and so I'm rebelling against mandates. Uh, I don't believe in them. I believe that we should all be free to make our own choices for ourselves and especially for our families. Um, and not to jump ahead, but what I hope to create from that, because I heard you say it's rebel and create. Um, and, and I'm not interested in rebelling because. I'm belligerent or uncooperative or a domestic terrorist or anything else that you want to label me as. Um, But I hope to create a a family, you know, me and my wife and my two kids. And if we have more, our family um, that is mindful of the environment that we live in and that we are able to critically think and make our own choices about what we think is best for our family. And I would like to expand on that and say that it, it could be our family and our community. I would like to create a community of like-minded individuals that would like to raise their kids. I just got a text message before we uh, jumped on this podcast from Sonny goes to, to daycare. Um, and his teacher is an amazing woman. I've known her uh, for most of my life and she's career Montessori and left Montessori because she didn't like some of the administrative changes that they were making. Um, she was there for 30 years and she started up a daycare at her own home. Um, and there's six kids and she's awesome and we love her. Uh, but she just texted me saying that they are going to start requiring uh, two-year-old kids to wear masks. They are requiring that here in the state of Hawaii. And I looked at her 
Um, actually, she told me this when I dropped Sunny off this morning and then texted the group of parents. And my wife actually came in here uh, when we were about to start freaking out. And I said, I already talked to her and we will pull out of her school immediately if she goes along with that. Um, and she doesn't believe in it. But she also is concerned that they're going to have someone come and actually sit in for hours during the day to make sure that she's compliant. And I just said, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but just know that I'm out the minute that that happens. And um, uh, I'm trying to buy a piece of land right now and I'll start my own school and bring whoever wants to come and learn with my kids. And I mean, what is school anyway, right? Like, what are we trying to teach our kids? Like, what yeah. are they trying to teach <clears throat> at school? Like, what is the curriculum? What is it based on? Montessori is great uh, in theory. Um, so is Waldorf, but you know, what's actually happening at school. Uh, and so, yeah, I would like to create a community um, or at least a, a place for my kids to grow up and learn you know, the things that I think are important in life and the values that yeah. I think are important. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bunch of good stuff in there. <laughs> so first off, one thing I would say is check out the Acton Academy schools. Um, our, we had three of our kids at Acton last year. There isn't one here in Hawaii yet, but incredible. And uh, yes, check them out. This yep. And then ACTLM. I did a program. Yep, ACTON. And I did a podcast with a guy who has a who runs one in Sacramento. His name is Matt Boudreaux. Check him out. He's on the podcast and incredible. He's a warrior for family, warrior for decisions. But uh, what I want to lean into, because I had chills several times as you're talking, and I think the reason why is is it's easy to get caught up in the the us versus them. It's easy to caught up in like, like you were very uh, elegant in your wording around things. And what I want to bring up and what I want men to hear is, do you know who you are? Right? So I think Dylan, at the beginning, you talked about being a confident, able leader in your home. That's what your boys need. And the world of power around us is constantly wanting you to not know who you are and just follow the flow. Let's just pick that for any season of the world, okay? But as a man, do you know who you are? Do you know what your role is to lead? Do you know that you have the ability to lead your home? And if I look at our world and I think of every single man who wakes up every day, and if we were to, to pull them on anything, a lot of us would be very like-minded in, in how we want to, to lead our families, okay? Regardless of the COVID, whatever. I'm just saying in how we want to lead our families. But we're so caught up in our busyness of our life that we just default to, well, I'm going to trust what the doctors say. I'm going to trust what the lawyers say. I'm going to trust what the teachers say. I'm going to trust what my representative says. I'm going to just let all the big decisions, I'm going to pawn them off. And I think that this is a critical piece is, is at a certain point, when do we stand up for, no, this is my home. These are the four walls that my home lives in. And, and I do have a, not a, not a right because I'm an American, but you said I have an, a right, I have a right, basic human right. I have a basic human right that God, the universe gave me this ability to find a woman, to, to give birth to a child and to start a family. And my role in that is to lead that. And I hear from you, a confident man who's doing that to go, hang on a second. 
I need to step into that role. And I have a confidence and a belief that this is my role to make decisions. And how many dads aren't choosing for their kid's school? They're letting a teacher decide things for their kid. They're letting somebody else decide things. And, and, and when we look at our world, man, when we look at homelessness and human trafficking and suicide and all these things, I'm not saying that men are the problem, but I want to go back and say, if fathers stood up as fathers and lived their role, there would just be less of all those things. Couldn't agree more. And and so I get chills because I'm going, this is a powerful moment. Not another, like we've got to fight against them, but you need to fight for your right to lead your home and, and, and make decisions for your family. And this isn't some patriarchal back in the day, you will do it. My safe family. No. How are you serving your family as a leader? And if you're passing big decisions off, to your wife or to somebody else, right? I mean, obviously, you 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 know, you you made a comment. We don't divide and conquer. We we are a collaboration together, and we're we're fighting this together. But not enough men have that confidence in themselves. And I just want to say, like, right now, take that confidence and just know who you are. You have that inside you. And as I hear Dylan talking about this, I think this is the most critical piece that I'm hearing. And what Rebellion Create is about is fathers take back your right as a father. right? I mean, you have an opportunity to lead. And, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, that's important to you. And so I want you to know you're not alone. Dylan's doing it. I'm doing it. Every man who's been on this podcast is waking up every day, leading their family. And the hope is that it just becomes collective movement of, of we're all doing it. We're loving our wives intensely. We're loving our kids. And then we're leading our homes. What are the thoughts you have on that, Dylan? Oh, getting me, all, getting me all fired up, bro. It gives me chicken skin. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to know that, that there's other fathers out there that feel the same way. And, uh, yeah, I think there's more of us than we realize right now. And it's, that it's, is the truth. It's time to stand up. Um, we're, we're definitely in the biggest information war in history and you, can expose yourself to whatever information you choose to and you make decisions based on information and what you believe to be true and what you believe to be right. And yeah. And I want to lean into that to what do you believe is true and what do you believe is right? I want to lean into that because I I think we question too much. You know, there is so much content out there. I want to help dudes go, Hey, look into yourself. Does this feel right? you know, whatever it is when you're leading your family, because I think too often we go, Oh, well, what's Bob's family doing? Oh, what did, what did they decide to do about this? Their kid wants to play this sport. Are they choosing to just do this? We have to stop looking for validation from our next door neighbor and what they're doing. And we have to go, what feels right inside of me? Because who's responsible for that family, dude, you are, you are. But also, I, I think it's important to find your people because, like you said, you know, yeah, your, neighbor, your neighbor may not be someone you want to live with or live next to. And, you know, we're, we're actually, I mean, I know you just moved to Hawaii, so, uh, you know, don't take this the wrong way. But we're, we're going to leave Hawaii if we have to, you know. Um, the, the, and again, you know, what am I rebelling against? It's these mandates. And right. if they make it too hard in Hawaii or California or anywhere else, to make the choices that I will make for my family because I know what is right for my family and right. no one else does, then I'm going to have to go somewhere where I'm free to make those decisions. And I don't know where that is yet. Um, I, I really don't, but 
you know, you, you really got to find your people. And, and I said earlier, you know, I would like to create a community. Like it doesn't mean you have to move to somewhere else, but find your people and surround yourself with people who, you know, are like-minded on the things that are important, which is your family. Um, yeah. So if it's, if it's it creating my own school <laughs> that's outside of the system and other people wanted to participate in that, you know, find your people. Yeah. I think that that is critical. And and I guess what I was getting at a bit is I think we look too much to uh, the mass of like, if, if everybody's doing this, it must be the right thing to do. And I think that as men, we need to know our role in our home and, and trust ourselves, yep. trust our instincts. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. A couple of things that you had brought up just to move to maybe a lighter note is uh, <laughs> I asked, you know, uh, what have been good resources to you as a father? And you made uh, two comments in, in the, the pre, you know, pre podcast information. And one was no drama discipline and whole brain child. And those are terms I've never really heard. And so it'd be, be cool if you just dove into those for a couple minutes um, before I ask my last question. Sure. Um, to be honest, no drama discipline is, is fairly self-explanatory and uh I'll be honest, I haven't made it through the whole book because I found it to be somewhat repetitive. Um, you know, they're hammering the same point home over and over and over. But, you know, disciplining your child, um, there's different ways to do it. And no drama discipline is a really important concept where you you stay calm and level-headed through the process. Your kid's having a tantrum and you don't match their energy. Um, and again, that boils back down to the sort of being a, a, a confident leader in your home. And, you know, um, the whole brain child is, is probably a little bit too much to dive into. Um, my wife's really into that. It's basically just, you know, uh, upstairs, low, low, up, upper and lower brain, upstairs, downstairs, and how a child's brain works um, and why you have to treat them a certain way as they're developing. And a lot of a child's uh, brain is developing a very large percentage of it. I think it's 80% develops before they're three years old and you have to make sure that you're developing the right part of it. And in a way mm. that's, you know, uh, respectful, um, to what your child is going through. And, um, the, the course that I just took is sort of along the same lines. Um, it's called, uh, something I bought from uh, an Instagram account that I follow. There are good things on Instagram. Um, <laughs> big, big little feelings it's called. Um, okay. and, they just have a lot of good tips and advice. And, you know, on Instagram, I've been following them for a while uh, and they always have something really profound to say that is, you know, really touches on something that I was experiencing that day and, and how to handle it. But they do sell a course, which when my back was out and I was feeling really helpless, I decided to buy because my wife was having a really hard time putting our, our son to bed specifically um, along, among, among other things. Um, and, yeah, their course was amazing and had great little tools and uh, ways to uh, help with a lot of different scenarios, um, specifically putting our kid to bed, which was screaming and crying for two hours while my wife was just pulling her hair out for a whole week while my back was out. And the first night after taking this course and going to physical therapy every day and having my sacrum put back in and then it would go back out, uh, by the time I would get back home. And then as I got a little bit better asking the physical therapist, if she could teach me one thing that I needed to do to participate in my household, just one thing I need. And that's to be able to get on the floor and get back up so that I can mm -hmm. put my kid to bed. 
And the first night I was able to do that, uh, walked out of the room in five minutes. My son was quiet, walked out of the room, closed the door and started doing like a little celebration dance <laughs> yeah, uh, no doubt. for my wife. And she got really mad and did a bunch of research and found out that, uh, there's a lot of situations where the dad's able to put the kids to bed and the wife isn't because she took it somewhat personally that I was able to do that, but it was the tools that I learned in the course. Um, and so, yeah, no drama discipline, the whole brain child and big little feelings, uh, which is just, yeah, basically that your kid's going to have big feelings and it's okay. And you need to just let them know that you're there for them and it's okay. You don't tell them, don't cry. You don't tell them, don't, uh, you know, have a tantrum. You're being unreasonable. You don't lecture them while they're having a moment. You tell them that their feelings are okay and you validate their feelings. If they're angry, if they're sad, if they're, you know, afraid, whatever feeling they're having, you tell them that that feeling is okay and you let them know that you're there for them in the moment. And then when they're done with their moment and their tantrum, you can try and reason with them later when their brain is in a place where it can accept, you know, whatever process you're trying to, to explain to them. Beautiful. Beautiful. So it's big little feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then the piece I want to, uh, really have stick out for men is, is I think that there's this, um, this like, Oh, the mom will do it. Uh, the mom's going to be better at it, but, but this is a great example of you coming alongside and supporting. And, and while there may have been this moment of like, uh, comparison or competitiveness or whatever, there's also this probably deep sense of relief that we're a team handling this together. So, uh, so incredible. I just want to encourage dads, like come alongside, support your wife, do your role. Dylan, man, I've loved talking fatherhood with you. I'm going to ask you my final question and it is about legacy. So you got two boys, six weeks, two years, imagine 30 years from now. Okay. Or let's say 40 years from now, 40 years from now, your, your, your boys will be the age you are now relatively close. If you're standing out in a cul-de-sac peering into their homes, what is it that you see and you know that as you're watching whatever unfold in their home, that the man that you are, the father that you are played into helping create that legacy in their home. Wow. Gives me chicken skin just thinking about it. Um, I just hope to raise my boys in a way that they are loving husbands that they are loving fathers if they choose to have families someday because i don't think that there's really anything more important if you do go down that road and it may not be for everyone but if my boys decide to have families i sure as hope they know how to treat a woman and i sure as hope know that they know how to treat their kids Hmm. I love it, Dylan. I mean, just from the hour we spent together, I know that the way you're showing up and the way that you are so filled with love when you refer to them and when you talk about your wife, that you will be showing that to them every day that they're, you know, in your presence uh, to the best of your ability, right? We all, we all have our moments, but it's not without love. And I can tell that love is a huge piece of, of, of your soul, your heart. And so just keep being, uh, the husband, father, leader that you were designed to be. And I know that you will create great legacy through being that man. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, man. I appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate you doing the show. This is super inspiring. I'll definitely be listening to future podcasts. I'll find time. <laughs> yeah. Keep Love up the work. Until next time. There we go. Another incredible conversation with a fantastic father. 
I love these conversations because, guys, it helps us know that we're not alone. There's other men waking up each and every day like you and I to love and serve our families well and to continue to grow and become the men we were designed to be, the fathers we were designed to be. I really enjoyed the conversation and just got chills thinking about you and I, our ability to show up and lead our families. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you can, take a minute on whatever platform you're listening to this on and smash those stars button, the like button, or write a review because it helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. We can't do it alone. We got to do it together. I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you.